Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, verses 16 to 20, that you will join with me in the Bible that you brought or the pew Bible that is in front of you. Again, that's Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Let us hear now the words of the Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Most holy and wonderful God, may your spirit be in us, amongst us, all around us. May we hear your Word so clearly spoken this morning, Lord, that it would affect our lives so that we would leave here not just as passive hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. So think about things in life. How do you explain something that is so massive, so large, so complex, that it's unfathomable how you break it down to explain it to those that have never seen it or don't understand it. I'll give you a test on this. So as many of you know, I am a snow skier. I love to ski. Uh, it's probably what I would do every day of the week if that were possible. Why I am still in the South, I have no idea. But these are just facts. Uh, I love it here. I love you. So we'll just keep things like they are. But this past winter was not my winter. Several of you and I tried to ski together in a couple of days. It seemed like every Friday that we were going to ski, it rained. Precipitation, yes, not the good kind. There was no snow in North Carolina this year, it seemed like. And so it was just, it was not a banner year. But if we lived in Mammoth, California, this was our year. 715 inches of snowfall this ski season. I mean, for those of you who can't do math that quick in your head, that's 59 and a half feet of snow. Right? Isn't that great? <laughs> There's no shovel in the driveway this day. Uh-uh. <laughs> Unless you're in a bulldozer. But 59 and a half feet, how do you explain that? How do you tell anyone what 59 and a half feet of snow looks like? So when we do this, when we try to get these unfathomable things, we, we try to break it down. We tell stories or comparisons. So, I mean, we can remember the big snow of 2018, which was a foot and a half. Well, this is, you know, 50 sometimes larger than that. 59 and a half feet of snow. Do you get an idea? If you look up with me to the columns, the top of the column where, the, where, it, where it starts to sprout out like a flower, that's about 59 feet. That's a lot of snow, isn't it? 
I mean, it's unfathomable. Or if you look at pictures, you see the ski lifts that they have, or the big machinery that does it. They had to dig trenches around them, so you kind of ski down into it, and you're in this wall of snow, and then you ride out of it. Unless, of course, the snow was so high on some parts of the slope that it buried the ski lift. I mean, they will be skiing in Mammoth, California all year long. They're, they're going to be skiing July the 4th. When the rest of us are sweating it with the oldies, they're going to be skiing. But we think about this idea of comparison and this massiveness with snow. Maybe there's something relatable in this storytelling about finding things that we can relate to that might help us explain the magnanimity, the awe, the wonderment of God. I mean, to think about just for ourselves, that's a lot to wrap our arms around just the nature of God. But try to relate that to a world that doesn't know God, and it gets to be almost unfathomable how we tell the story. But maybe today helps. As Susanna said at the beginning of worship, today is Trinity Sunday, the day that we remember and understand the doctrine of the Trinity, but really this idea of the nature of God, God three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In our text today in Matthew's Gospel, uh, it's before the ascension, before Jesus leaves the earth permanently until he comes back again. He's finally, after the resurrection, it's getting sort of near the end of his time. And he calls the disciples, the 11, calls them to the mountaintop, where all good and important lessons happen in Jesus' teachings and in faith. And it's there, high on the mountain, that he gives them the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey what I have commanded you. And it's pretty clear from this commission what we as followers are supposed to do. I mean, we're supposed to follow Jesus. We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to change the world by being disciples. This idea of making disciples is about teaching the world about the nature of God. But how do we explain the nature of God so massive and unseen to a world that is searching for some meaning. So it's really the question about the work of the church. This is what we're supposed to be doing as a community of believers, not only worshiping together and growing together in Christ, but telling the world about the nature of God. This is why we use creeds in our liturgy to remind us what it is we believe, but it breaks it down so that we can teach. So look at the creed we use today, these words, we believe in God who, is, who has created and is creating. We stop there. There's a lot in that one sentence. We believe in Jesus, the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new. Who works in us and others by the Holy Spirit. See, it's in that moment the doctrine of the Trinity sort of frames our understanding of the nature of God where God the Father made you and me, God the Son redeems you and me, God the Holy Spirit improves us for the world around us. And so with these terms, these ideas, we're able to, to teach and relate the story of God and God's love for the world to everyone that will listen. 
But we have to internalize this lesson for ourselves, really own it for who we are. So to get another sense of all this idea of God the Father that made you, I think back to sort of going outside in the night and going up and looking at the stars. And imagine going back to the days of Abraham where Abraham was faithful and God told him, says, Abraham, you are faithful. And if you stay faithful to me, I will give you descendants more than the stars. So not just the awe of the heavens themselves, the Milky Way and the northern lights and the southern lights and anything else, all the stars twinkling around, but the idea that Abraham is an old man, if he stayed faithful, he would have more descendants than the stars. That's a God that's powerful. That's a God that's creating and still creating, or maybe better yet, if we sort of bring it down to a personal level, what if we take a close look at ourselves in the mirror? I'm not talking about looking at it going, is that gray hair? Or crow's feet no I'm talking about that but just look in the mirror just look at your face just look at you at your ears at your skin tone at yeah look at the wrinkles you've earned them look at the spots look at all of that but look at your eyelashes Look at your eyeball and all the intricacies of it and just be awed by the detailed creation that God has wrought in you alone. But then take a step back from the mirror and as you look back, as you look at things, be in awe of your uniqueness. As you move away from just looking at your physical appearance, look at how God has equipped you with a personality and skills and talents. There's no one else like you in the world. And yet each and every one of us is made in the image of God. And each and every one of us, God has breathed life into. But in that moment as we stare at ourselves in the mirror and we realize our uniqueness and the created power that God has poured out over us as individuals, it's in that moment that we see the awe and the power and the thoughtfulness and the loving creation of God. It's also in that moment as we look at ourselves and realize what's been wrought in us is that we will always look. We will always look in the eyes of someone that God has also intentionally and specifically created and wonderfully loves just like us. See, friends, that's a lesson that we can teach the world. We can teach the world about how we are uniquely created and how they are uniquely created and that God did that for each of us and loves each of us and the world desperately wants to know that they matter. Well, this is that moment to say, I see you, but more importantly, God sees you and knows you and you are wonderful. But if we're honest with ourselves as we stare in the mirror, we're really honest We know that life gets messy and we know that we are not perfect as much as we're wonderfully created, that we are not perfect. The way we behave is not that our ego, our pride, our selfishness, our human frailty, human depravity, they all get in the way sometimes. God has a dream for who we would be and how we would live and for what we would do. And sometimes these things take us off that path. 
We become distant from God, not because of anything God has done. God hasn't moved, but we have moved away from God. We build walls up to hide our shame, to hide our frailties, to sort of ignore, be in denial that we are broken or flawed. But there is hope for us yet. Because what we know, what we know the story of Easter, what we've learned in the 50 days following Easter, that Easter season, we talked about grace and preached on it and read about it in Galatians here in this space. We realize that what is happening with this season of grace is that it's God busting down the walls, shining light in our darkness. And despite our faults and despite our shortcomings, that God's grace abounds to each and every one of us. It's in this moment of grace, a state of grace, that we realize that God has redeemed us, that God has redeemed you, God has redeemed me, warts and all. That God has redeemed the world, warts and all. And so with that knowledge in mind, that we also realize that we are always looking in the eyes of someone for whom Christ died on the cross. We're always looking in the eyes of someone that Christ has redeemed. Friends, this is a story that we need to tell the world because they think the world, some in the world think they're broken and there's no hope for them. And yet we know the story is true. But as we have this knowledge of redemption, We also have this knowledge that God wants us to reach our full potential. That dream that God has for our lives, God still, in our fallenness and redemption, God still wants us to achieve that. And that's where the Holy Spirit enters into the picture. See, it's the Holy Spirit that challenges us, prods us, won't leave us alone, unsettles us, disrupts our lives so that we might be better people than we are today. If you look at the world around you, you see what's happening in our communities, in our schools, in our households, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses, and you are unsettled by it. That is the Holy Spirit working on you, my brothers and sisters. That is not something to take lightly. Because it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit is awakening us, igniting us, propelling us, causing us to be strong where we need to be to soften our hearts where they're too hard-hearted. That's the Holy Spirit working on us to be better selves and be better for the world. See, it's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to see everyone that we meet as children of God, as brothers and sisters in the faith, to worry about, to care for, to seek out, to love, to invite, to share the sacred story with. And see, this is a story, the sacred story of creation and redemption and improvement is one that we need to share with the world. We need to live it out in our lives so that we do the work of the church, so the people in the community know that we are Christians by our love. They know who we are by our actions. They know who we follow by the way we treat each other, the way we see each other, the way we love each other. So I think about that and this story and I think about snow and I think about how uh, 715 inches of snow seems completely unfathomable, unimaginable, yet it's very real because there are pictures, there are images that stretch up to the heavens of 
snowbanks. And they'll ski on it all year long. But for our world, sometimes God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a God who creates, a God who redeems, a God who improves, it seems unimaginable. And yet it's very real because we, followers of the risen Christ, we are the proof of the power and the work of God. It's a story that we are to tell every day of our lives through how we live and how we share with each other. So our calling that we hear here in Matthew is simply this, to follow Jesus, to make disciples, to change the world in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we come to this table today, we receive this meal of the kingdom, we're reminded of this calling, but we're reminded how unique we are, how special we are, and how we can look each other in the eye and all the children of the world and realize how unique and special they are because we are all brothers and sisters. Children of a God who creates us redeems us, and sustains us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.